All right, everybody, welcome to this episode of The Daily Dose on the Compliance Guy. I'm your host, Sean Weiss, and as always, thank you so much for tuning in, logging on, and just hanging out with me for a little while as I talk about all things in the world of coding, billing, documentation, and compliance. Today, I want to talk specifically about the Medicare program integrity, and more specifically, I want to talk about Chapter 4 of the Program Integrity Manual, because this is where we gain insight into really examples of Medicare fraud, the Unified Program Integrity Contractors, the anti-fraud training that they go through, as well as really how do they screen complaints? And then how referrals are made to the UPICs and really their coordination with other governmental agencies, such as the Office of Inspector General. Now, as part of the integrity program that has been established by Medicare, and it's actually called the Medicare Integrity Program, or MIP. They created the Unified Program Integrity Contractors, what we refer to as the UPICs, the Supplemental Medical Review Contractors, which are the SMERCs, and Medicare Administrative Contractors, which are the MACs. And their job is to ensure that Medicare pays the right amount for covered and correctly coded services rendered to eligible beneficiaries by legitimate providers. Now, the real focus of the UPICs, the SMERCs, and the MACs is to ensure compliance with Medicare regulations. To refer suspected fraud and abuse to law enforcement partners and to recommend revocation of providers that are non-compliant with Medicare regulation and policies. Now, CMS follows some parallel strategies in meeting these goals. And those are to prevent fraud through effective enrollment and education of providers, suppliers, and beneficiaries, to encourage early detection um, through, for example, the fraud pre prevention system, the FPS, or through medical review and data analysis, as well as to coordinate closely with CMS's partners, which include, as I said, UPICs, SMERCs, MACs, law enforcement agencies, and state PI units. And to really enact fair and firm enforcement policies. So let me begin by clearing up some of the misperceptions that actually exist when it comes to a UPIC. The primary goal of a UPIC 
is to identify cases of suspected fraud, waste, and abuse, and to develop them thoroughly and in a timely manner and take immediate action to ensure that the Medicare trust fund monies are not inappropriately paid. Now, payment suspensions and denial of payments and the recoupment of overpayments are just some of the examples of actions that can be taken in cases of suspected fraud. And really, once any actions are taken, cases where there is potential for fraud are then referred to law enforcement, basically for consideration and initiation of criminal or civil prosecution, civil monetary penalties, or administrative sanction actions. Folks, UPICs are not auditors. Is there a component within a UPIC to where they can actually perform an audit if they need to? Yes. But basically, as I said, their primary goal is to identify cases of suspected fraud, waste, and abuse, to investigate them, to develop them thoroughly, and then to make referrals to law enforcement. I know there's a lot of folks out there that say, oh, I got audited by a UPIC. You really didn't. An audit took place with a contractor, and through that audit, there were some patterns detected or some suspicions on the behavior of the provider, and it was escalated to the UPIC. And to ensure you understand how critical a UPIC is, when you receive a letter, you shouldn't be sitting on it. It needs to be sent to somebody who has strong familiarity with the UPIC process, which would be either a consultant or a healthcare senate attorney, to make sure that you respond in a timely manner and that you provide only the information that is necessary to support your billings. Now, I always get asked the question, you know, can you give me examples of Medicare fraud? Well, the most frequent kind of fraud actually arises from a false statement or misrepresentation that a provider makes. And it's something that is considered material to entitlement or payment under the Medicare program. Now, it's important to keep in mind that a violator can be a provider, it could be a supplier, it could be a beneficiary, it could be an employee of a provider or supplier or some other person or business entity, including a billing company or a contractor employee. So fraud takes a lot of different forms. And some that Medicare provides in Section 4.2.1 of Chapter 4 of the Medicare Program Integrity Manual include incorrect reporting of diagnoses or procedures to maximize payments, billing for services not furnished and or supplies not provided, 
which includes billing Medicare for appointments that the patient failed to keep. Billing that appears to be deliberate application for duplicate payment for the same service or supplies. Again, billing both Medicare and a beneficiary for the same service or billing both Medicare and another insurer in an attempt to get paid twice. Altering claim forms, electronic claim records, medical documentation in an attempt to receive a higher payment. Soliciting, offering, receiving kickbacks, bribes, or rebates. Paying for a referral of patients in exchange for the ordering of diagnostic tests or other services or medical equipment. Unbundling, or what is referred to as exploding charges. Completing certificates of medical necessity for patients not personally and professionally known by the provider. Engaging in schemes that involve collusion between a provider and a beneficiary or between a supplier and beneficiary. Participating in schemes that involve collusion between a provider, a MAC employee, where the claim is assigned. Meaning the provider deliberately overbills for services and the MAC employee then generates adjustments with little or no awareness on the part of the beneficiary. Billing on what is referred to as a gang visit. This is where a physician visits a nursing home and bills for 20 nursing home visits without furnishing any specific service to individual patients. Misrepresenting dates and descriptions of services furnished or the identity of the beneficiary or the individual who furnished the services. Billing non-covered or non-chargeable services as if they were covered. Repeatedly violating the participation agreement, assignment agreement, or limitation amounts. Knowingly allowing a beneficiary to use another person's Medicare card to obtain medical uh, care. Giving false information about provider ownership or using the adjustment payment process to generate fraudulent payments. For hospitals, some of the examples of cost report fraud include inappropriately appropriating costs on your reports, including costs of non-covered services, supplies, or equipment and allowable costs, billing Medicare for costs that were not incurred or were attributable to non-program activities or other enterprises or personal expenses. Folks, there's an exhaustive list of these examples. So, when we get into the Unified Program Integrity Contractor, again, as I said, they're responsible for preventing, detecting, and determining fraud, waste, and abuse in both Medicare and the Medicaid program. And they do this um, by identifying program vulnerabilities, by proactively identifying incidents of potential fraud, waste, and abuse that exist within its service area, and then taking appropriate action on each of these cases. Their job is to investigate, right, to determine the factual basis of allegations of fraud made by the beneficiary or a provider or supplier. And when appropriate, a UPIC has the ability to collaborate with CMS, a state Medicaid agency, and MFUKU, which is the Medicare Fraud Control Unit. The UPICs are required to explore all available sources of fraud.
broad in its jurisdiction, including SMA and the Mafuku. Folks, they get a lot of leads that come from beneficiaries and from a number of different sources. And then they have to initiate appropriate administrative actions where there is reliable evidence of fraud, such as putting into place or making recommendations of payment suspensions and or revocations. The UPICs can refer cases to the OIG, to the Office of Investigations, for consideration of civil and criminal prosecution and or application of administrative uh, sanctions, which includes the civil monetary penalties. The UPIC has the ability to refer any necessary provider or supplier and beneficiary outreach to the provider outreach and education program at the Medicare administrative contractor. The UPICs basically are required to use a variety of techniques that are both proactive and reactive to address any potentially fraudulent, wasteful, or abusive billing practices based on the various leads they receive. Now, I will tell you that there are some examples of proactive leads, and they include UPIC data analysis that uncovers inexplicable aberrancies that indicate potentially fraudulent, wasteful, or abusive billing for specific types of providers or suppliers. The discovery of a new lead by a UPIC during a provider, supplier, or beneficiary interview. I just went through one of those, and we were able to get the case closed. The combining of information from a variety of sources to create a new lead, right? Again, CMS tells the UPICs that they shall pursue leads identified through data analysis, but they have to follow the Program Integrity Manual, which is Chapter 2, and more specifically, Section 2.3 for sources of data. Again, UPICs are required to take prompt action after scrutinizing billing practices, patterns, or trends that can indicate fraudulent billing, right? So looking at things like the data for inexplicable aberrancies, as I said just a moment ago, and relating the aberrancies to specific provider or suppliers, identifying hit-and-run providers. There's a a, a great uh, um, article, and I'll end with this, um, that I was given uh, by a a, a good friend of mine uh, who's an attorney, Robert Lyles. And it was this... service provider who, in a matter of just a month, was paid, or two months, was paid about two to two and a half million dollars for services and supplies that were never rendered. Now, this was a Cuban immigrant, and the individual was actually picked up off the coast of Florida trying to get back to Cuba because he was 90 miles from Cuba at the southernmost point, which is what? Key West, or right about around that point. 
And they knew that he was running because on the back of the jet ski with the guy was another individual who was a known human trafficker. And when they looked at the jet ski, there were all kinds of food rations, excessive number of water bottles. There was a um, special fuel cell that was added with um, additional fuel, which indicated an extended trip. And the problem was their jet ski broke down, and that's how they got caught right before they entered into the Gulf Stream to make that run back to Cuba. So lesson learned here, if you're going to commit fraud and you're going to try to escape on a jet ski, at least have your jet ski serviced and checked out before you put it in the water trying to make a run from the government. But anyways, this guy was taken into custody. Uh, the judge agreed that the individual is a flight risk, so they uh, revoked their passport, and they are now in the detention center. So lesson learned, folks. Take these UPIC notices, these UPIC investigations seriously. This is no small matter. They should be looked at in the same way that a civil investigative demand is looked at, in the same way that a subpoena uh, from the Office of Inspector General or the Department of Justice is looked at. Don't put these things off. Don't procrastinate. Get help immediately from somebody who understands the process. and from a healthcare centered attorney. All right. I know I went a little bit long today, about 17 and a half minutes, almost 18 minutes. Um, but there was so much to unpack in this uh, Daily Dose episode. Again, thanks, as always, for tuning in, logging on, and just hanging out with me for a little while. And remember, be good to yourself, but more important, importantly, be good to each other. And until next time, have a great day.